You're listening to the Eastside Church Sermon Podcast Series. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, inclusive, and justice-oriented. We are thrilled that you found our podcast, and if you'd like to learn more about our community, visit our website at eastsideatl.org. Our scripture comes across the screen. I love for us to keep in mind the intimate connection. The offering prayer today, in many ways, connects with the sermonic part of our worship experience today. And I won't didactically speak to you regarding how it connects. I'll just say let the Spirit of God show you how it connects in the way that nuances to your experience, your your particular walk in God in this moment, in this season. And so we hear the words from Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will, all these, I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Suddenly, angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God. This is a weighty word of God for the people of God. Let us say thanks be to God. Family, let us continue to pray together this morning as we ponder the idea, the topic, if we are. Thank you, Riley. If we are. Lord God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the ways that you move to bring us here in this moment. Thank you for the ways that you continue to show us how our divine connection can serve as conduits for your compassion to flow into this earth. <laughs> 
conduits for your love to flow into this earth. Conduits for your wisdom, your light, your truth to flow into this earth. And let us be grounded, God, this morning in love born from the heart of eternity as we wrestle with the idea, if we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 And so we find ourselves here in the midst of this word where as we walk into it, we give thanks to our AV team and our music team for helping us to land here in this moment, to ponder God's word in a way where I'm praying that our worship and our praise of God continues to, to stir up transformative nuances in each of our lives. And so here in our text, we find our Lord and Savior at the end of 40 days of fasting, 40 days of withdrawing, 40 days of centering, 40 days of submitting his mind, his will and intentions, his heart, his soul and his spirit to the idea that grace born out of the heart of eternity would flow seamlessly through his being to transform humanity. During this critical moment in Jesus' ministry, he withdrew, he centered himself, he fasted so that the agape love that grounded his being could permeate the hearts and minds of those who listened to his every word, permeate their hearts and minds in ways that broke the shackles of hate and helped them reimagine what the kingdom of God might look like as it flowed in, around, and through their lives. For 40 days, Jesus withdrew he centered himself. He fasted so that compassion beyond measure could be felt through every healing and every miracle that would follow his days of fasting. They would follow and paint new pictures of community. <laughs> New pictures of what it means to be a child of God. New pictures of what it means to experience the shift that occurred each time someone said, yes, I accept the gift of grace and I will follow you. For 40 days, Riley, Jesus withdrew. He centered himself. He, he fasted so that mercy and redemption would drip from his words with an anointing that broke the bands of injustice, made the wounded whole, and set the oppressed free, free to dream of themselves as sacred, free to dream of strangers who became neighbors, who became friends, and who became family as sacred, free to dream of enemies as sacred, free to dream of humanity is made in the image 
and likeness of God. Free to embrace what it means to simply wake up one morning and be blessed with the inability to remember the self-deprecating, self-limiting beliefs, self-defeating beliefs about oneself and one another that just the day before made ones who now know that they are children of God feel the weight and burden that they thought would never be lifted. Can you imagine that? Waking up one morning unable to see ourselves as less than. What would life be like if that ability were capped and shut off forever? Yet now, because the light of our Savior had shone into the lives of everyone who was encountering him and believing on him, believing in him, and following in them, their souls were lifted, not never to struggle again, but being gifted with recognizing that God is present and God is moving and, and God is alive and active even in the midst of their struggles. Yet we find Jesus here at the conclusion of 40 days of fasting, 40 days of centering his mind, will, and intentions on bringing the reign of God into this earth reality. And Jesus is tempted. Okay. Let's just make it real plain. I know there are some of us who are engaging in our own fasts in this 40-day and 40, this 40-day period of Lent, correct? There's some of us who are engaging in that. I, I know that some, I did the hand raise exercise, so I know some raised their hands last week and, and, and during the Lenten services, and during Ash Wednesday service. Now, there are some of us who are thinking about how we are going to negotiate certain invitations to lunch or to dinner, or to gathering with people because of this discipline that we're trying to engage in. We're being invited into spaces with things that may tempt us to get off of the discipline. So how do we navigate that? Now for some, that feels like more of a lighthearted navigation. But in moments where we are tempted, where we are tempted to lean on ways of responding to difficulties that we thought we had moved beyond, how will we respond? We've been praying prayers of centering. We've been praying prayers of God, help me respond to 
the pain I see around me in a different way. We've been praying, God, how can I show up for those who are in need? And moments present themselves. And when those moments present themselves, how will we respond? Will we be able to be the peace that we've been praying to be? Will we be able to see the stranger in ways that we have been hoping we can see them, that we might be the light and the love and compassion they need in that moment? Or will we be tempted to say, I don't have enough? Will we be tempted to say, maybe I'm not the one called to be the answer to this problem? Will we be tempted to say, this problem feels too great for me to solve. So many thoughts, so many emotions, so many difficulties run through our hearts and our minds when we think of simply aligning with the will of God for our lives. When we simply think of aligning with the spirit of God to maybe be hope and help and healing in someone else's life. And here we find Jesus in the midst of the journey that he was making to call us to journey with him to be expressions of the kingdom of God in this earth reality. Satan tempting Jesus. In our text, we, we see the different ways. Satan is tempting Jesus, tempting Jesus to yield to his own physical desires rather than remain centered in the strength of his spiritual intentions tempting to treat God as a cosmic genie whose will is meant to be bent by human desires to attain selfish gain. He is even tempted by Satan to receive from Satan worldly power and influence that would come if Jesus chose to serve Satan rather than serve God. Satan, in speaking to the human aspect of Jesus' nature, seeks to deter him from leaning into his mission of bringing the gift of salvation to humanity, bringing the gift of salvation to us, seeking to deter him from reminding humanity that our true home is a kingdom born out of the heart of eternity with the intent of transforming the hearts of humanity. Satan seeks to deter Jesus from reminding humanity then and humanity in perpetuity, that our true identity is formed, shaped, and molded out of the heart of God. Satan tempts Jesus three times with these words. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God, with this, simply phrase, with this simple phrase, Satan is doing something very pernicious that I would dare say happens to each of us every day. Satan 
is using a simple question to question and prick at Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God. Kind of a reminder of that story in the garden where the tempter came and said to humanity, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will be like God. Now, isn't that interesting? I go back through the text when humanity shows up and whose image and likeness did it say we were made? Who? Humanity made in the image and likeness of God. Yet there's the tempter saying, if you do this, then you will be like. But there was a bold statement, a bold declaration at the very beginning. You were made in the image and likeness of God. And so just as the tempter did there in the third chapter of Genesis, the tempter is showing up again here as Jesus is making way out of the wilderness and saying, if you are, the tempter is questioning, trying to push Jesus to question his identity, trying to push Jesus to even question fidelity to God, trying to push Jesus to question the resolve and commitment of, of, of using every fiber of his being to be the light that shines in darkness, to be the bridge of reconciliation between God and humanity, to, 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 to short-circuit, to short-circuit the gift of recognizing that the Spirit of God was not only empowering him in a time of deep need, but the Spirit of God will empower us in times of deep need and in times of being caught in that liminal space between what was and what could be if we simply with deep devotion to God walk by faith and not by sight, knowing that the Spirit of God alive in us can help us overcome these questions of identity, these questions meant to veer one off the path of devotion, these questions meant to short circuit the goodness of God manifesting in life. Hear these words from the tempter again. And I just ask that you let them sit with you. Hear them in your own way and your own mind. Have a conversation with the text in this moment. The tempter came to him and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. 
Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. I know this is like a serious moment, but I'm like hearing like the modern translation. And in some traditions, there's a little phrase that folks say when Satan's trying to tempt. Anybody ever heard that phrase, the devil is a lie? I kind of feel like this is the devil is a lie moment, walking up into this, into this space because it is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. The devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. So simply, family, here's what's happening. What we're finding in this text is that when Satan, the tempter, questions Jesus' identity, Jesus reaffirms and centers his, and centers his thoughts not only on being the son of God, but being wholly devoted to God's will for his life. When, when tempted with using his strength to simply satisfy his physical desires, Jesus affirms that his true strength and power does not come from his own physical being, but from life enmeshed in the wisdom in God, in the wisdom of God, filled with the wisdom of God. When tempted to use his spiritual power for self aggrandizement. Jesus affirms devotion to God's will and God's plan is that which he's going to turn on even in times of difficulty, even in times of struggle. When offered a path to power and influence, when integrity and righteousness and even just behavior must be compromised, Jesus reminds the tempter that worship of God means being in love with being the love of God, the grace of God, and the presence of God in ways that the will of God will flow through this human vessel in order to be a blessing to humanity. And as this scene unfolds, I've often wondered in my spiritual imagination if in back of Jesus' mind, as this temptation played itself out, what if Jesus may have been repeating these words as his mantra? Our Maker, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. You see, just two chapters later in this same book, when the disciples say, teach us how to pray, as they're watching all the things going on around them, these are the words that Jesus gives them. I wonder if 
Jesus may have centered himself in these words to remind himself that his will must be centered in God's will, centered in God's purpose, centered in God's plan for transforming humanity. And, and, and I often wonder what our lives would be like if these words served as our daily mantra, our daily affirmation, our daily reminder that whatever we might be going through, that life, that through life in Christ, we are restored, that through life in Christ, we are redeemed, that through life in Christ, we are reclaimed as children of God through whom God, through whom God's wisdom, God's love, God's purpose, God's plans might flow through our lives. And if we are, for those who are following like that closely, okay, you gave us a title now, Pastor T. How does this relate back to the title? And if we are, if we are children of God, can these words that we pray every time we break bread at this table, can these words help us to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God? If we are redeemed by Christ, can, can words such as the Lord's Prayer or even the model prayer as some call it, can these words help us love God with every fiber of our being and love our neighbor with a, with a vigor that is so vibrant and, and so capacious that we become part of their stories of being redeemed by Christ? If we are new creations, can being centered in words such as our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven. Can these words help us reimagine what it means to Walk in an abundance and a capacity and a capacity that transforms to shake the sacred spaces we share with every human being we encounter into spaces where the presence of God heals, transforms, renews, redeems. Can we as we center our thoughts in the love and presence and compassion of God flowing through our beings, live out tenets that say that religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained by the world, unbowed before selfishness, 
unbothered before that which distracts us from the way that grace transforms, untethered to thoughts and ideas that hinder the Holy Spirit's work of molding us and shaping us as those restored to the image of God daily. And if we are being restored to the image and likeness of God on a daily basis, can asking for God's kingdom, depending on God's provision, walking in God's gift of folding us into divine community, depending on God in the face of temptation, can all of this help us embrace being restored to the image and likeness of God for the miracle that it truly is? Can we embrace it? for the light that it brings into our lives and our community? Can we hold fast to the premise that even in moments of despair, we can discover and be led to devotion? In moments of pain, we can find purpose and even power. And in moments of deepest darkness, a light that transforms, heals, and loves us beyond measure, seeks to paint pictures of hope and restoration and healing and rebirth and deliverance and salvation and freedom that gives us the assurance that a love born from the heart of eternity desires that we know that in Christ we are redeemed and in Christ we are made whole. In Christ we remember and reconnect to the fact that we are children of God and if this is our testimony, it can transform the world if we are to tell our story. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us say thanks be to God. God bless you, family. Good morning, church. If we haven't met already, my name is Karina, and on behalf of all of us here at Eastside, it really is a joy to worship alongside you this morning. I have the great honor of leading us through this morning's communal prayers. So as I read, I ask that you center yourself. Allow this to be a moment of... Um, your own prayer alongside my own. And when I say, Lord, in your mercy, you'll respond with, hear our prayer. And you can do so out loud. And for folks online, I encourage you to type them in the YouTube comments. Before I start with our prayers, though, I want us to take a collective deep breath in. And out. Holy and ever-knowing God, Sometimes you call us into the wilderness, into those places where we must rely totally upon you for our own survival. At other times, your spirit drives us into those places. But each time we have entered those places, we have been tempted and tested. Tempted to turn back before the time is right for turning back and tempted to give up before the time you have appointed for our testing and for our growing as past. Help us, Lord, should this be a time in our own lives where we might feel alone, a time where we feel forgotten or less than. 
Help us to claim the blessings that you have prepared for us in the middle of the wilderness. Lead us on our journey and bring us safely to the other side. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we pray for the city that we call home. We pray for those who live on the streets of East Atlanta and often are trying to find a place just to lay their heads. We pray for our clergy, whether that be here in the church, in the hospitals, in the prisons or shelters. We pray for the ongoing fight against Cop City, for the violence that is done amongst peaceful and faithful protesters, for the life of Tortuguita, which was taken too soon and at the hands of police brutality. We pray for their family. May they rest in peace. We pray for the folks who work and seek medical attention right next door at Planned Parenthood. We pray for our community pantry and the many, many hands who fill it and take from it each and every day. May our acts be a reflection of your own love for us, God. May we love like you love us, and may we remember that we and all of humanity are made in your image. Lord, in your mercy. Ever loving God, we cry out to you through our anger and our tears and our frustration, but we also praise you for the many joys in our lives. We praise you for our communities, for our families, blood and chosen ones, we thank you for our churches, specifically our community here at Eastside, for the moments where we are able to safely come together and break bread with one another, where we are able to laugh and to cry together. We thank you for the fresh air that constantly is filling our lungs when we step outside, for our furry little friends who provide us unconditional love and happiness at home, and we thank you for the children that fill this old building with their joyful noises and youthful presence. May we be mirrors of what radical love and community look like. Lord, in your mercy. Friends, I now lead us into a few moments of silence for our own personal confessions. God of our conciliation, we thank you that no matter the state of the world around us or the state of even our own hearts, there is nothing that we can do that separates our love, your love from us. Help us live into that hope this day and every day, God. May our words of confession be accompanied by acts of reconciliation. Siblings in Christ, hear the good news. Christ died for us as we were yet sinners and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Peace be with you. I now encourage you to pass peace amongst your neighbors sitting alongside you and friends online. Pass peace on virtually. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Did Andrew do fine, y'all? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for Andrew doing just fine. <laughs> Hallelujah. We thank God for the ways that God is moving. You hear all the exciting things. Let's just jump in and, and be a part of God's spirit moving in this community. And so as we prepare um, to head out, let us stand for our benediction. Yet as we stand for our benediction, I ask our AV team to, to zoom us in on this beautiful work of art that is evolving 
there. Can we give God a hand of praise for the way that Sarah is blessing us this morning? And so this is very connected to what we've experienced in worship, uh, what we're experiencing as we go into the moment of benediction. As we see the deer, let us lift holy hands as we think on these words. Lord God, as we go out into the world this week, as the deer panteth for water, our souls long after thee. You alone are our heart's desire, and we long to worship you. Be our strength, be our shield, so that alone may our spirit yield to you. Use us as love and light. Use us as peace and compassion. Use us as reminders of how you fashion us by a spirit of grace and love that transforms. Bless and protect us. Shine your face upon us and be gracious to us. Show us your favor and give us peace. Thank you, God, that you place your name upon each of us, that we might be a blessing for this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let us go in peace. Let us go in love, remembering who we are. Amen, amen, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this week's message and we look forward to connecting with you soon. If you'd like to experience our full church services, you can find them at youtube.com slash eastsidechurchatl. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing here at Eastside, you can find our giving portal at our website, eastsideatl.org. Be well.